Good morning. How are we doing? Let's pray this morning. I think we're going to need it. We've been praying a lot this morning, but thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I pray for the hearers. I pray that they would have ears to hear. I pray for the speaker. Help the speaker, Lord. I pray that we'd be open to what you want to say this morning. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 60, verse 2. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to turn there, otherwise just listen. Isaiah 60 verse 2 says, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. How many would agree right now that there's darkness covering the earth? How many would agree that the darkness is sneaking in? Probably more accurately, it's, it's coming in quite rapidly. Right now, we're living in a time in history where we have COVID-19. We have turmoil. We have fear. There's uncertainty. There's a lot of things spiraling out there. We see what's happening in Afghanistan. We see what's happening in other places of the world. And I think we would agree that the darkness is moving in. I would like to propose that the enemy is throwing everything he can at humanity, at the church. But let's not stop at the first part in verse 2, because the second part says this, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Verse 1 says, arise, shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. It's my personal conviction that if you're alive right now, which you all are, you are living in the greatest time in human history. We see darkness, and this is the time to stand. We see darkness, and this is the time to move forward in the purposes that God has for us. Siri even agrees. This is literally the greatest time to be alive in human history. We have some people we know who are having amazing work in Afghanistan. And I heard a report this morning about the miracle signs and wonders that are happening in that country. Through, the, through Jesus. The visions, dreams of Taliban coming to Christ. No doubt there's, there's, there's martyrs. No doubt there's suffering. But we can't underestimate the fact that even though there is gross darkness, the Lord is on the move. How many know that? We are about to step into a season and seasons where we are going to see the greatest manifestation of, of the Lord that has ever been seen in human history. Amen. 
Over the last couple of months, I've been concerned, greatly concerned, about some of the responses that Christians have had to everything going on. How many know that when there's calamity, whether the, when there's stress and pressure, it doesn't create a response, it actually reveals what's inside all along? It's interesting that those times when, we're, when everything's going perfect for us, we think everything's great. We feel that everything inside us is perfect. And all of a sudden, a circumstance comes. And how many know that that circumstance, that child... That workplace, that sickness, how many know they didn't cause you to respond how you responded? It was already there. All that did was reveal what was already underneath and in your heart. My concern is that as the church, we are journeying through unprecedented times. And this is my heart for myself and for our church family here is that we will authentically reflect the heart of God. My prayer for myself, my family and and this church family is that we could, like Jesus said, I only did what I saw the Father do. I only said what I saw the Father say. We're going to have a look at a passage of Scripture in John chapter 18, if you can turn there. Tell the person next to you, this is going to get good. <laughs> John chapter 18, verse, we'll start reading from verse 1. I love this this morning because it's, we've just taken communion and this is very where this context of scripture is. It's just after the, the believers, has, Jesus has gathered his disciples to himself and they've had what the Bible calls the last supper and then in, in, in chapter 18 verse 1 it says, when he had finished, finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. When Jesus said, I am he, they they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. 
If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of them that you gave me. Verse 10. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? This is such a weird and interesting passage. Here we have this group of people, these disciples that have been with Jesus now for three and a half years. They had been doing life with him. Just look around like the five closest or the 12 closest people to you right at the moment. Imagine if you're about to do life with them for three and a half years. This doesn't mean you just see them at church. This means every day, not just five minutes of every day. It's every day. This is doing life. And this is what Jesus had done. This is what he had built. This was the team. This was the gang. And for three and a half years, Jesus was teaching them. He was instructing them. He was doing life with them. He was modeling things for them. And here we have a night where the disciples know that something's different. They might not have been 100% sure, but they know that something's different. And the walk from where they held the Last Supper to the garden, I'm sure would have been an interesting walk if you were one of the disciples. I'm sure there was a sense of urgency. I'm sure there was an, an awareness that something was different even though you would have never known what was about to play out. And here in this garden, there's Jesus and his disciples. And all of a sudden, one of the bros comes through the night. One of the ones who had been with him for three and a half years. Here he comes, leading a band of people that wanted to see the demise of Jesus. And I bet as, as Judas leading this group of people came up to Jesus, all of a sudden, I, I, I believe the other disciples, all of a sudden it's like these light bulb moments. They're starting to realize, oh, this is, this is where Judas went. All of a sudden, in an instant, these light bulb moments are happening where they're starting to get a clearer picture of what's actually going on. And Peter, who's our, our character today, he grabs a, a sword and, and lucky he was probably better at fishing than a soldier, but he missed to take this guy's head off and took his ear off. And Jesus turns to him and says, hey, put the sword away. This is right at the pinnacle of injustice. Here we have a man who had bled with this team, and now he's the one that's betraying Jesus. It's the pinnacle of injustice. Have you ever wondered why Peter had a sword? I'll tell you why he had a sword. 
is because a few hours earlier, Jesus told him to bring a sword. This This is crazy. This messes with my head. In Luke chapter 22, a few hours earlier, this is not weeks, months, or years earlier. A few hours earlier, Jesus said to him, Hey, I know how, you know how I sent you guys out in Matthew chapter 10 without anything originally? Well, this time, make sure you have your purse. Make sure you have your sandals. And make sure you have a sword. And Peter turns around and says, Hey, we got two. Are we sweet? Jesus says, Yep, that'll do. And here they go off. And the disciples are thinking, hey, this is, this is the moment in time where we're going to set up our kingdom by force. And here Judas comes through the thing. And what does Peter do? He pulls out the sword and he's ready. How many know that Early in Jesus' ministry, he came and told us clearly what he was about. He said, I've come to what? Destroy the works of the enemy. He clearly came and announced, and he said, this is why I'm here, to destroy the works of the enemy. What was Peter looking to do? Destroy the enemy. The point is that the plan was the same, but the execution, the approach was totally different. This thing that Peter felt in his heart was to destroy the enemy was actually put there by God, I believe. It's just his approach was misdirected. All of a sudden, Peter has this plan of God. He understands. He's probably heard Jesus say, I have come to destroy the works of the enemy. And here he is saying, I'm going to destroy the enemy. And he reaches for the sword in a moment of reaction potentially, and all of a sudden creates an issue where he's not only fighting the enemy, but he's fighting the purposes of God for Jesus to go to the cross. It's gone quiet. As we journey through these unprecedented times, my encouragement today is that our approach is actually lining up with the heartbeat of heaven. My encouragement today is that our attitude, the way we execute things in the plan of God is actually lining up with the heartbeat of God. Otherwise, we can actually be doing something and acting in a way that God has actually put a calling on our life, but we're actually working in opposition to the very plans and purposes of God. How are we doing? We're good. You know, maybe you're a little bit like Peter. I know I am. And maybe you're like, hey, I've got a deep conviction about some things and I believe they're from the Lord. But how many know that 
it's how I approach it. It's how I execute it that actually, whether it lines up with the heart of God or not. I can have a deep conviction from God, but have a wrong attitude. It still, it still makes me wrong. We see this, and it's another sermon, but it's when the Apostle Paul talks about being, you know, theoretically right or theologically right, but relationally wrong still makes us wrong with God. This morning I've written down three biblical ways that we can journey through such times that we're living in and have an authentic, actually, actually represent the Lord authentically. Three ways that we can do that. Number one, I'm not usually into dot points, so this is exciting this morning. <laughs> There's three. Number one, is get alone with God in His Word. The way that we're going to journey in the seasons and the seasons to come is actually to get alone with God, with this book. There's so many, there's so many voices. There's so much stuff going on. I believe we should be informed. But I also believe that the way that we will navigate this season reflecting the heartbeat of God most accurately is to get alone with Him. If you're hearing stuff and you've got concerns, which is legitimate, and you, you're like, hey, I don't know how to respond. What are we to do? What decisions should I make? I want to encourage you, the best thing you can do is get alone with God, with the Word. I would encourage us as a church family to put the phone down, close the laptop, close the social media for maybe a week or two. I would encourage us to close the voices. It's fine. In two weeks, you can be informed then. But for a period of time, close the stuff down, close the noise, and actually get alone with God and His Word. If you're sitting here and you're like, hey, I couldn't do that, I, I could never do that. And you've got a whole list of reasons why, you need to ask yourself why. Why is the case? Why have I got such a reliance on all this stuff, but not him? In Hebrews it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I believe that if we're going to navigate these seasons successfully, we need to fix our eyes on Him. We actually need to close our ears to the other things going on and fix our eyes on Him. I feel the Lord is encouraging, encouraging us in this season to have a refined focus. Refine our focus on the person of Jesus. to shut down the noise and focus and align ourselves with heaven's agenda. How many know that through this pandemic, through the issues you've got at work, through your sickness, through the relationship problems, through the issues in your marriage, the Lord is working. 
And what this does is it aligns us with what he's doing. So that just like Jesus, we can say, hey, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I see the Father say. Oftentimes we talk about the fact that everything shall bow its knee to the name of Jesus. I love that verse. I think it's in 2 Corinthians. That means this morning that a cold or cancer shall bow its knee to the name of Jesus. I think I need to say that again. This morning I want to proclaim that even a cold or cancer, both the same, shall bow their knee to the name of Jesus. Whether it's a terminal illness or a sore toe, it must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. I want to say this morning that whatever you're going through right now, these issues of life, they must bow their knee to the name of Jesus. Have I told you something this morning? I've heard some good news. Everything must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Somebody this morning needs to hear that. But that also means that good things have to bow their knee to the name of Jesus. That actually means that the love I have for my wife must still submit to him. Now sometimes we find it easier to say, well, the addictions that I have, maybe a pornography addiction, uh, some sin in my life, sickness, um, a dysfunctional relationship, yes, they have to bow their knee to the name of Jesus. But it also means that good things have to bow their knee to the name of Jesus. Rachel knows that she'll always be number two. And I know that I'll always be number two. But your God-given convictions still have to bow to the name of Jesus. The truth that he's given you the revelation still has to bow to him. And sometimes we make these things that are God-given, a calling, a conviction on our life, and we make this the main thing. And it causes distraction, it causes division, it causes a lot of other things. But I want to proclaim this morning that everything must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. So the first thing we do, they're super practical things. How many know that the gospel is not complicated? It's hard, but it's not complicated. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Get alone with God and His Word, number one. Number two. This is how we're going to journey in these unprecedented times. Number two is trust someone more than you trust yourself. Trust someone more than you trust yourself. Let me explain what this means. It means that, how many know that deception, if you're in deception, you think you're right? That's the very nature of deception. And so what it means is that 
We actually have to have people that we're accountable to. We actually have people that we trust more than we trust ourselves. It is normal for you, if you're in deception, to think you're right. Because if you thought you were wrong, that's no longer deception, it's just stupidity. So the very reason that you believe something doesn't mean it's right. You could be right, but you could also be in deception. And this is why the Lord has put us in a community, a body of people, whereby we can actually come through the, the, the gateway of humility and have people that can speak into our life. I would encourage you to get someone who's mature, who's solid in the Word of God, and actually trust them more than you trust yourself. Maybe it's a couple of people that you go for different things and you say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. That there's this vulnerability, there's this openness, there's this humility. We can trust someone more than we trust ourselves. Don't isolate. Don't isolate. There's so many voices. There's so many options and, 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 and reasonings and things that are going on across the world right now. And it's in the church. I think I, I love what Jared said last week. And he, he talked a little bit about COVID and, and the fact that we all have different views on things. How many know that's actually healthy? Where it becomes unhealthy is that we lose humility, we, we lose honor, and we withdraw. A good measurement of our heart is if, if, if I'm having a discussion with someone and they think differently than me, am I struggling to engage back with them? If you are, you need to ask yourself the question, why? Because healthy conversations will always mean that we're, we're looking to engage rather than just be right. Don't isolate. Trust someone more than you trust yourself. Number three. This is another way that we're going to journey through these unprecedented times. Is this. Don't retreat. Don't retreat. How many know that in the story of Peter, all of a sudden he got the sword out and he, he was ready to take a guy's head off. And Jesus rebuked him and said, no, nah, put that away. But how many know that, that all of a sudden we see later in the book of Acts that all of a sudden he changed his approach. He aligned himself with heaven's agenda and he did amazing things for the kingdom of God. Maybe there is a season to use the sword. Maybe it isn't. But let's not retreat. Let's not pull back as the church. Let's not stand up for the convictions that the Lord has put on our heart. But, the, but, but what we need to do is we need to navigate this in a way that our approach, our attitudes, and our execution actually aligns with the heart of the Father. Don't retreat. There's a verse in, it's probably in Samuel, it talks about when King David... You remember the story when Israel is out fighting a, a battle and he's at home standing on the balcony looking at Bathsheba? It's, and I think it starts, it says, in the season when the kings were to be at war, he was at home. 
we need to understand the season. How many know that if you're alive right now, you're actually born for war? You may not be equipped, you may not be ready, but at least we were born for it. <laughs> we were born for war. We were born to push back the darkness. But we need to ensure that our approach, the execution, our attitude actually aligns with Him. Otherwise, we end up in good uh, reasons and we actually start opposing the very thing that the Lord is doing in this space. Don't retreat. I just want to finish with a prayer that Jesus prayed right before he entered the garden. How good is it that we're like in only two pages of the Bible today? We don't have to go far. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed right before he left the Last Supper, before they had that walk to the garden. I read this a couple of months ago and I want to read it this morning as we finish. Jesus says, My prayer is not for them alone, talking about his disciples. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. This is you and me. You've got to remember that this was this moment in history of the pinnacle of injustice was about to unfold. This was such a moment in history where it couldn't have got worse. Where injustice was flaring its head, where, 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 where moral issues, where, where everything was going on in human history. And this is what Jesus prays. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and me, and I am you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 22. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Verse 25. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made, known, made you known to them and will continue to make you known in the order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is it. Right now I believe that There's so many opinions going on, so many voices, so much oxygen. I believe that, that Jesus would pray this prayer for us right now. That they would know us by our love. That there would be such a unity, such a love. That we would be seen by that and people would be drawn into this.
as we journey through these times, we, I want to be a person that I'm so listening to the heartbeat of God that if he says, use the sword, I'm ready to use the sword. But if he says, hang on, not today, put that thing away, you're actually standing in the way of the purposes of God. I just feel this morning that our approach, our attitude, and our, the, the way we go about things is so important to God. He's looking for people that will operate out of this place of love. And out of that place of love, this is why people will know that He's alive, that He's real. Is as we start to demonstrate this, amongst our differences of opinion, that, that people would be drawn and say, there's a God, he's alive, he changes lives, he does miracles, and we will see the darkness push back. Amen? Amen. Thank you.